0: Well, welcome to anybody who listens in. Anybody who's wants to know the truth of God and is seeking God with all of your heart. And we'll be back with you in a few moments.
1: Have you ever wondered is there more of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed.
0: Well, Sean, good morning. Morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing, doing good as well.
1: Getting myself awake here. What we're doing, doing, looking forward to seeing what Y'all going to do this morning. Good topic.
0: Yep. well, we're going to start where Mother wants us to start, and then we'll see where Yah takes us from there. We're going to hit a scripture in uh, the Bible, and we don't always have the Bible with us, but uh, this morning I'm going to read a section from Jeremiah, and this pertains to What we're going to talk about today And so uh, I'll go ahead and read this um, And then we'll discuss afterwards This is in Jeremiah chapter 3 During the reign of King Josiah The Lord said to me Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adulteries there. I thought that after she had done all of this, she would return to me, but she did not, and her unfaithful sister, Judah, saw it. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of her adulteries yes i saw that her unfaithful sister judah had no fear she also went out and committed adulteries because israel israel's immortality mattered so little to her she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone wood In spite of all of this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all of her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. The Lord said to me, Faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. Go and proclaim proclaim the message towards the north, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to the foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me declares the lord return faithless people declares the lord for i am your husband i will choose you out of the out of a town and two from a clan and bring you to zion then i will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding in those days when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, people will no longer say the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It will never enter their minds or be remembered. It will be missed or will not be missed, nor will another one be made. At that time, they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations will gather gather. In Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord no longer will they follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts in those days people of Judah will join the people of Israel and together they will come from the northern lands to the land I gave your ancestors as an inheritance I myself said How gladly I would treat you like my children and give you pleasant land, most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me, but like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you, Israel, have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. A cry is heard in the barren heights a weeping and pleading of the people of Israel because they have perverted their own ways and have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, faithless people. I will cure you of your backsliding. Yes, we will come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and the mountains in deception surely in the in the lord our god is the salvation of israel from our youth shameful gods have consumed the fruit of our ancestors' labors the flocks the herds their sons and daughters let us lie down in our shame and let us disgrace let our disgrace cover us we have sinned against the lord our god both we and our ancestors from youth till this day, we have not obeyed the Lord, our God in that scripture. Sean, it was really, uh, I glanced at it again this morning and interesting because there's a difference when YAH's referencing Israel, and then referencing Judah, because he's referencing Israel as a faithless people, and then he's referencing Judah as a unfaithful people. And so, so there's he's drawing a distinct difference, is that, well, you're faithless, which means you don't have the faith yet, but that's okay, because... You, you're, the objective goal is once you have faith is to be faithful, not faithless, uh, or not um, unfaithful. So th- there's a difference because it's per- perceiving that Israel is faithless, meaning they haven't returned to the Lord yet, but Judah had returned to the Lord, but only returned in pretense. And the word pretense... It means to pretend. And so uh, that was the first thing that stuck out. And then um, also the aspect that one of the reasons for reading that scripture is that speaks about the uh, unfaithful Christianity. See, we can take what the Old Testament says and we can overlay it in the world today and there are some that will have that are faithless which is uh they still they they chance to return if they turn from it and again even if they're unfaithful but if you're you're truly unfaithful to god if you truly have that commitment to god and you're unfaithful in it then you're going to be set out not to be able to return because You made the decision that you promised you were going to be faithful to God, and then you broke that promise, that's your problem, not God's. And so it's really important because we can overlay this into the uh, world today with all the different religions and the people who claim faith in God that are only doing it not in the reality, but in the pretense of repentance, that it's a pretense that they are with God. Because again, one of the biggest problems in the world today is the understanding of words. Us just talking about this, that on the uh, last podcast, when we were talking about curses and blessings, that even like you you had alluded to in the other podcast, that the curse words that are used are just everyday words in a time previous to now that were not used or intended as a profane perspective. And so the the profane aspect of it is your gross misuse of a word and the origin of the word and too many times and this is why languages continue to change is because people will take words and they will twist them to mean something that they don't mean and therefore you you're you're perverting what the actual meaning of that word is and then as you share that with people later on down the road then they really have no concept as kids grow up learning those words that have been twisted and changed. They have no concept of what the truth of that word is. And we've done this a lot in our gathering where we've taken a word and gone back to the root of that word and we'll trace it back to ancient Hebrew if we can in order to really get the base understanding of what that word was intended to mean aside from what it means today. And Pretty much all your curse words were not curse words or profane words when they first came out. And so we change it. And the question is, what words that we use today will be a profanity 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 100 years down the road, it because that's what people do. They they take a word and then they change it or they modify it in order to fit something that it doesn't go with, and it's just like the word "cool." Okay, "cool" is not considered a profane word, aye, right. but "cool" means cool, chilly. It's cool outside, but we change it to, oh, he's a cool cat. He's cool. He's, he's, uh, meaning he's relaxed, but that's not what the word means. And we do that. And people in this world will, will say, oh, well, that's just semantics, you know, potato, potato. What's the difference? And there's a huge difference. If you don't understand the context of the word that's being used, especially words from the Bible, then you can't understand the meaning of it. You can only think you understand it, and people don't do this with intention. They do it because they're programmed that way. When you grow up in this world to learn that a word means uh, something different than what its origin was, then that word in your generation is not the same as it was in the generation past. And this is how easily the truth of God gets twisted and off course because too many people think it's okay to modify. When we modify the scriptures and even the lying pen of the scribes, when they would modify the scriptures so that the so that on the sabbath day uh we modify it so that well you can do this much but not this much and then they would add to it as time went on and for what because it's for your own selfishness so that well i can do just a little bit more in the midst of this i can i can get more out of this, and this is a huge perspective. This is a huge perspective because of the uh, aspect of pretense in faith is laid out in Jeremiah, and there's other places in the Bible as well, but just putting the focus on Jeremiah right now, that why was Judah uh, considered worse because Judah had su- had supposedly repented to God, but it was only a repentance in pretense. And this is where God's sending a message to Israel using Judah as the example to say, when you repent, you're faithless now. But when you turn to me, turn to me with everything. Turn to me in full belief, not in a pretending of it. Just like the uh, when they were at the foot of the mountain and, well, we'll do everything you say. Now, that was a repentance to an agreement to do what God says, but it wasn't a, a actual full repentance to God. And so... As we look at this, we can easily overlay this into the world today. And that's the beauty part about the Word of God, Old Testament, or what they call the Old Testament, which is the, just the original covenant you have to go through, and then the explanation of the original covenant and the transformation to the spirit of it. But it's the living Word. The, the word of god is active and living and that means that whatever was in what you perceive as the old testament that the old of what is was and is gone now it's not gone because you can overlay it into this life if you couldn't then the word of god wouldn't be live see that's the beauty part about the word of god and the word of god when i say the word of god the word of god is in the bible but the bible is not the limit to the word of god everything god speaks whether they speak to an individual they speak to a group or they speak to you through the bible is that is the word of god and we need to know that we need to accept that and with faith in god then we agree with it 100% and so As we look at the pretense of uh, conversion, we can lay the Old Testament over today because it is living and active. It is the Word of God, and because it is living and active, it has to be able to be overlaid today. You have to be able to use it for one, to see the terror of God and you to repent to God. And then after that, it continually is a guide to help you to see, okay, this was the physical aspect of the law, so now I'm going to talk to God about showing me the spiritual aspect of the law so now I can follow the law in accordance with my faith because it never was about you following the letter of the law rather than us being obedient to the spirit of the law and even Messiah showed that when he was spoken to the Pharisees about various different things in the washing of the hands and the Sabbath day. And I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and they, they were going by what the written law said, but he was going by the spirit of it. And he would know because he was the Lord of the Sabbath. So uh, just a few things right there. And it's just, really important, and we'll get more into this and just want to see what your thoughts are at this moment.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just going to write on the coattails of what you just ended with. Another aspect of why it's an absolute must that you've got to walk through the first covenant first in order to transfer to the renewed covenant, because Messiah made a, a statement when they had asked about, can't remember exactly what they were talking about, but he had said that I'm the fulfillment of the law of Moses. I'm the fulfillment of what was written about in the in the prophets and in the the Old Testament. Because think about that that he's the fulfillment of it. So you you've got to walk in the old covenant of it first in order to, in Him, fulfill it. And something that stood out to me with this was, in Revelation, Messiah mentions, I would rather you be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, and therefore I'm going to spew you out of my mouth, just like if you want a cup of hot coffee and it's lukewarm, you're going to spit it out because it's not coffee, if it's not hot, or if it's not cold. And it made me think of the aspect of faithless would be the cold aspect that you don't have faith. Hot would be faithful and don't, it would be better for you to be faithless or faithful than for you to linger in that middle ground, which there is no middle ground. It's just you're in a place where you're ultimately going to end up being shut out. So what Yah is looking for is it's either a full commitment or no commitment, because I'll know where you stand. Don't play a pretend game with me where, and you and I have the wit that we're practicing on controlling that, but we can go into an act of the three stooges and I can say, I'm curly, I'm Mo, and I can make the same sound. I could even sound almost like people mimicking people. I can sound almost exactly the same, but it's not the real deal. You hear that in the world, you know, Let, let's be, let's be real. And that's what y'all wants be real. And the thing is y'all can see it anyway. So it's not like y'all sitting there like, wow, we can't figure these people out. We can't figure out what they're doing. No, they see by the actions of it, if it's genuine or not. But I would rather you just say, and I heard people in the world say this, just tell me what it is that I'm doing wrong or whatever. And I'll accept that, but don't play games with me and tell me that I'm doing well, but I'm not don't, don't play with me. Just tell me, Matter of fact, out front, so I can know where you stand, because you're either going to be in repentance, which means it's a full one hundred percent turn to God, or you're going to be walking in repentance with the enemy. You're, it's going to be one side or the other, and I can see y'all saying it would be better. What what was it that Judah is or Israel is more righteous because than you are because you're being unfaithful versus not having it on you would think well how would that be more righteous well it's just like what yah says in the old testament that if you do all these righteous things and then you stop doing them it's like you didn't do anything so find a place where you really know what repentance is and repentance has gotten watered down where repentance now is just you feel sorry for your sins and that's what what repent you know you'll get you'll people stand up repent to god well, what does that mean? Well, that means you, you feel sorry for what you've done. No, that it isn't. Godly sorrow is feeling sorry for what you've done. And think about that. Godly sorrow is what produces repentance, not worldly sorrow. That you you cry to the world and, and you say, yeah, I'm sorry. Or, I'm sorry, and that means I, I learn from it. No. There doesn't... Repentance is a decision. It's a choice that your sorrow for whatever side you're repenting to, if you're repenting to God, you're going to have sorrow for sin. If you're walking in the ways of the enemy, then you're just walking in the enemy's ways. You've turned from God. And just thinking about with a re- repent is a turn to God, and it's also a, not only when you turn to God, but it's a change in your deeds. I just looked at this recently that Paul, after he was He was talking to King Agrippa, and he was telling a story of his uh, experience when Messiah met him on the road to Damascus, and it said what Messiah told to him. And Messiah told him that he is sending him to turn the people from the power of Satan to the power of God, and then Paul said he continued and taught the people to repent to God and and to prove their repentance by their deeds. So Yah sees the deeds. And that's what shows the repentance to God. Just you saying, I repent. That doesn't show me that you repented, just like we had talked about this recently that rend your heart, not your garments. You can pretend by ripping your garments and throwing ashes on yourself, but no, I'm looking for the contrite heart. I'm looking for the heart that is fully committed to me. And I can tell by your actions on if you're walking in repentance or not. So change and turn to me with everything and walk in my ways and be faithful instead of being unfaithful. And the thing is, people, if you don't know what repentance is, then how can you repent? Like you you can think you do, like you say, well, when you repent to God, you feel sorry for you, and you ask God for forgiveness, and that means you repented. No, it, it's about a choice to turn to God with everything, and then it's a choice to walk in full agreement with them and to make whatever changes, corrections are necessary in order to line up with their will. And you can only, your continual repentance says, oh, I didn't realize that, okay, well, I'm not doing that, and I'm going to do this, okay. Well, you're walking in repentance, you're producing fruit in keeping with repentance, as John the Baptist told the people, telling the people that flee from the wrath to come and get away from change your conduct in in your walk with God. And then once you do that and you find out what God's life is, then you, because of your repentance, then you will agree to obey them and comply with them. And then as you do that more, you continue and move on into trust. But this must be recognized first in order to transfer to the renewed covenant, which Messiah is the fulfillment. So when Abba sees that you're walking in that full repentance and your heart is to obey, and you're tested in it and you prove faithful then he'll move you on to messiah where he will show you not just the shadow of the thing but the actual reality itself is my life is the reality of this that the reality of repentance obedience and trust is my life so follow me you have to be willing to give up everything give up your full self and then come and follow me because I'm the life i'm going to show you the life of god and I'm the fulfillment of the writings of the Old Testament. I'm the fulfillment of the Psalms. I'm the fulfillment of the prophets, that everything is pointing to my life. But it's it, I look at it as like the college course. It's the prerequisite. The Old Testament are the prerequisite courses to then lead you to Messiah, where that's the course to study. That's the life to live. But you can only do that when you're prepared, where if you don't come to God in repentance, true repentance, then you're not going to move on to messiah because you're not going to be able to walk in obedience to god unless you come to abba first as a terror because if if you don't see god as a terror then you're not going to realize you're a sinner and you're not going to realize how you're unfaithful to god and you're not going to turn to god because you're not going to realize who you are before them so this whole process is one yes we should not pretend but to know what the reality of the truth is so that you can make sure that you're not pretending so that you know what is fair and just to do and a repentance to god is not i'm sorry for my sins i accept your son as lord and savior no you had mentioned it in the reading about confessing the sin you know confess your wrong to me but then it's just like you're in a jail cell you can cry out you know warden i'm sorry okay well how do I know that you're really sorry? If you keep doing the same things over and over and you don't have any change of behavior, it proves to me you're not sorry. It doesn't matter what you say out of your mouth. It goes back to what we just said recently. What comes out of your mouth should only be after what your actions are doing. So if I'm walking in this repentance, then I can say to somebody, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because here's what repentance is, but don't tell me in words if you're not going to tell me in your conduct change, because repentance is all about a change of action. God doesn't care, and I will how we say God doesn't care. They don't care what comes out of your mouth as long as your conduct matches what comes out of your mouth, meaning they're not looking for you saying, repent, repent, repent. But they are, as long as you're walking in repentance and you're telling people this is the right way. Okay, well, yeah, you, you know what that's about. Then proclaim it, but don't don't tell me with the lip service when you're not willing to change, because what you're doing is you're pretending. I don't know if you've heard this song from the '50s from the Platters. Oh yes, I'm the great pretender. I happened to that came to mind this morning. And I looked up the words and it's like just being comfortable in that make believe like Mr. Rogers neighborhood, the land of make believe, because that's what pretending is. It's make believe you're trying to make believe you're trying to convince me that you're doing something. And I can look at you and say, no, I know what this is all about. You're not walking in repentance here. You can make believe all you want, but I know what it is. And it's just like us, like we know what the truth is. So somebody comes to us and they'll say, is that really what God said? Yeah, it is what God said. You're not going to come to me and pretend because I know the reality of truth. Like if I were looking to build a house and stuff like that, and all right, Phil, I'm going to show you how to do it. And you're looking at me like, you don't know what you're doing here, that you can put on a show all you want, but I know the reality of it. And that's the thing with God that y'all is going to look past people just like they can look at, just use Christianity as an example, that they don't know the full truth of it. And y'all looking at them like, you don't know the full truth of this. You know what, you're, what you've are what you been programmed to know, but when you turn to me in true repentance that you'll be able to find this truth. But for now, you can, you know, have your hands up in the air and just wailing in tears and oh God and oh Lord, and y'all can look at that and say, away with your ceremonies and your hands up in the air and the crying and the tears away with all that, I would rather have a contrite heart before me, you know, quit putting on the show and stop doing that, stop pretending and find the the truth of it. So that's where my, my thoughts went. I had quite a few thoughts, but the, the the one that really stood out to me was hot and cold aspect of that. You think you're okay just riding this middle that you can have one toe in sin and the other toe in righteousness. And you think that that's a place that you can remain like a lukewarm, not hot, not cold, but you're either going to have your full, you're either going to either be fully committed to God. And ultimately the lukewarm is not committed to God at all. And you, you've just got to find your place. So really in reality, there is no lukewarm. It's just, you're, you're standing in a ground of pick your side. Because if you think about this in warfare, if, one nation is pointing against the other with guns and the other side is pointing on the other side with guns and you're in the middle Well, you're getting hit from both sides. You don't have a safe place. You need to find the side of God where you're safe and you've got protection or you're going to find the other side. So you're kind of in that no man's land uh, in the middle there, but no, this is just another, uh, another good concept for people to, as you hear this is, do you really know what repentance is? And if you don't, just evaluate that if you're actually walking in it, because repentance is not a feeling, even though in repentance you will feel moments of of joy, you know, obviously, because you're walking in the in the will of God, but the the feeling sorry for your sin is the godly sorrow, and knowing who you are before God, that's what propels you to make a conscious decision that no matter how this affects me, I'm turning to God with everything, and I'm walking in their ways. It's a Emotion is a part of it, but it's really on a basis of truth that you make a conscious decision that you're going to turn to God because it's the right thing to do. It's what I want to do. I'm going to. And then from there, you begin the journey of lining up your actions with God. And if they don't line up, then you change your behavior because the word of God is perfect. It doesn't need to change anything. So there's my thoughts so far.
0: We live in a world of pretend. So true. I mean, in all honesty, and the word repent, like we spoke about earlier, the word repent in itself has been changed from what it's uh, understanding is, that people will say it's a turn to God, but then they'll all derive that to sorrow, and a word you said by, I. Uh, well, I know you're, you're God, so, that means I repented, and no, just because you know the Son of God, I, uh, came and lived on this earth and died for sins. That means nothing to you unless you follow it through completely, and. We truly, I mean, we see by the scriptures, Jeremiah written a long time ago, that it was a world of pretend. And this pretending has been going on for, well, since the beginning, I guess, that there's a a pretense or a pretending that everybody does. The objective goal is, see, the whole concept of transparency is that you're not pretending. That there's no pretending. That means that you have faith. The objective goal is for you to be honest with people. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to tell everybody everything that you're thinking. Because. It may not be the appropriate time. It may be a time where it will be uh, perceived as mean. And again, there'll be times when we can say something will be perceived as mean, even though it's the truth. But we live in a day where people will profess they want to know the truth, but they really don't. They only want to know what's going to make them feel good and accept that as truth. And you look at it. You, you, somebody's uh, in a struggle. They're having a relationship issues and, Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. you all right. Yeah, I'm good. And then they turn and walk away without even thinking about the fact that no, I feel miserable and I don't like what's going on. And instead of being honest now. And the, there, there would be a balance in this if if you're going to be honest with somebody, and somebody asks you, "Hey, you doing all right?" Well, do you do you want me to answer that question honestly? Because a lot of times, pretenses from both sides. I just want to be cordial to you because, well, it's the right thing to do. So, hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm not. I'm not really wanting you to sit there and stop me for an hour and a half, and tell me about your problems that you have going on, and so I pretend that I care, but I really don't, because if I really cared, I'd be like, you know, I, I you say you're okay, but I know you, and I've seen that your demeanor is different, and do you want to sit and talk about it? That that's where. Okay, well, you really have concern for that person and you wanna know if they're doing okay. But you walk by people all the time. How's it going? Oh, going good, you? Good, all right. But yet, everybody has misery in their lives. And and somebody may catch you at a time where things are good. And in faith, things are more good than they are bad. And that's a continual increase as we grow in it.
1: Could I just add real quick the beginning part? Movies, television, Facebook, and I even remember uh, my sister, she, and she said this out of her mouth, and we know when you say something out of your mouth that it's from your lower conscience that she called it fake book. Well, are you really seeing everything that somebody wants you to see, or are you just showing people what you want to make you, to convince yourself and others that you're living this great life. How many Facebook profiles have somebody frowning, or I'm sure that there are, this isn't a all-inclusive, but the majority is the real smiley face, and you have the photos and the little hearts of this is my focus, such and such, or something I've noticed is I'll look at profile pictures, and almost without fail that At least one person will say, absolutely gorgeous, beautiful. But then, like we said before, if you're in a dark room by yourself, is your life really like this? Is this really reality? No, it's not. It's just people want to make themselves feel good. And with the greeting aspect, it made me think of what we talked about with reason. We have a reason for everything we do why go to somebody and ask them how they're doing? I thought about this the other day that I don't care how you're doing. I caught myself with somebody. I was like, why did I ask them that? I really don't care how they're doing, but why? Because of programming. Well, it's cordial and you greet people because if I don't greet them, then they're going to think. And again, it just keeps that cycle of having the word of God where Messiah went up to people. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going today? Where you come into a room and do I really need to greet you with words? How about just walking in peace and be peaceable? And why do I need to say anything? Or Well, you didn't say anything, so something's wrong. And we just keep this cycle going on and on. I'll pretend. And you, I remember very vividly, you've said this a few times, the husband and wife will be on the phone and the wife will say, I love you, honey. Hang up. Well, why are you pretending that everything is good when it isn't? And it just goes back once again to the programming aspect is that you don't want people to see that you're weak, but everybody's weak and nobody has it all together. People think that, well, I don't want people to think I don't have it all together. Nobody. And when I say nobody, that the majority of people think that they have it together, but really they're crumbling down inside, but they're putting on this, this, um, facade, because you don't want people to see that you're struggling because I can't let people know that I'm not perfect, which we're not capable of being perfect. All we can do is perfect in the the true faith journey. But I just want to add into the pretending part that the superheroes and the Marvel comics and the Superman and, and it's not reality. It's just a way to medicate, divert from reality. It's a way to suppress the truth of God because the more, and you mentioned this on a walk recently that the more busy or things that I can occupy my time that keeps reality from coming up to where I have to evaluate my life, because the busier I get and the more distracted I get, then then I'm suppressing what I really have to deal with, which isn't healthy.
0: Well, and it, it, again, you become a you you start out as a as a stage actor, and then that act then becomes your life as many people have changed. They've, they were pretending something and they changed into something completely different. Um, just going off the old wrestling, the uh, comments that Ric Flair made about him not knowing who he was because he became, he was pretending this persona that, uh, he had in the wrestling world that, that's who he is. That that's, it's, it's a pretense. It's a pretend, but then it becomes a reality. So whatever you're pretending becomes a reality, uh, but that's not a good thing because it's not the origin of who you are and what you're about. And so uh, even the word love is another word that is taken out of context and that is used and misused and abused uh, because of the programming that people have to think they know what love is and they have no idea. The Bible gives you a beautiful description of what love is, and people will still use that word as something that it's not. It, it When somebody's on the phone and they're really irritated with somebody and they say, I love you, that that's not what the word's for. You're using it just to con- or just to affirm with them that well, I want you to think that I really like you. So I'm going to say this. Rather than First Corinthians chapter thirteen lays out what love is, what the intention of love of God from the beginning was, and you have love of the world, which is what people are seeing because that's what they've, or that's what they're doing as well, because that's what they've been programmed to, to take love away from what its original intention was. And now it means something completely different. It means that it's about what you do for me and how I makes me feel rather than the reality of it. And you can see it in first Corinthians 13 is it's all about the other person. Love is patient to the other person. Love is kind to the other person. Love does not envy the other person. It does not boast about self. You just, the objective of love is that if you're truly loving somebody, you're doing what's best for them and yourself. God knows that people have the love of self but that love of self does not reach out to other people because the love of self, you will do anything and everything that your mind knows to do if you think that it's going to benefit you, that it's that you think it's for your best interest, even if it's something that's not good for you, your mind has been convinced through programming that it it's best for you. And therefore, you're loving yourself but telling others you love them but you're not doing for them what is best for them. You're doing for them what makes you feel good. You're doing for them because of what you've been programmed to think that love is to somebody else but it's completely different to something that you do because this is why the the word of God says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that tells you right there that you know how to love yourself. You've been programmed in the world that the love of somebody else is something different than that. But you don't even realize you're doing it because it's in your programming and your conscience. Because everything is about you. Everything is about uh what feels good to you? And if it doesn't feel good, then you act out on that because you're loving yourself. And I I have to retaliate because uh, this hurt me and that's not right and that's not fair. Well, how about you start treating other people the same way? That when you mistreated them, you know what? I I mistreated you and that's not right and that's not fair. And uh, I want to apologize for that, let you know I'm not going to do it again. Because love is intended to be the best that everybody's operating in an understanding that what is happening is the best thing truly for everybody. And in order to do that, you have to crucify yourself with Christ so that you're no longer loving just yourself and not capable of loving other people. But that gives you the ability to love other people first which then gives you the ability to love yourself and love yourself from the reality perspective of God. And you don't get there by pret- pretending, but it happens all the time in workplaces, in marriage relationships, in friend relationships, in all kinds of different areas. Yeah, there are times where you have heart to heart talks with somebody, and yeah, that was good. But most of the time, They're not telling you something because, well, one, you probably don't want to hear it, or two, they're going to think it's going to look bad on them, and therefore, I'm just going to pretend that everything's okay. We have a huge problem with uh, divorce in this this world, but we have an even bigger problem with the divorce that hasn't happened. The people, the two people living in the same house that are living in pretense that from the very day they started dating, they started pretending and they've been pretending their whole life, their whole marriage. And instead of starting off a relationship in honesty and giving the other person the opportunity to recognize that we all have issues, that. No, we hide those issues until, you know, well, oh, yeah, I'm hiding them and she's hiding them. And yeah, I just, I want to get married to her. And then you get married. And then after you get married, people start to relax a little bit without realizing it. And then, well, you know, we're never like that when you, yeah, I was. You just didn't see it because I was hiding it. And, you didn't say it because you didn't want to say it, because there's always signs that people leave. There's always a, a bread trail that people leave. But ah, that's just one time. She won't do that again. And then later on, oh, that's just that's just one time. She won't do it again. Or he won't do it again. And the reality is, is that everybody's pretending. We live in a world where you're taught to pretend. Why? Because that's the enemy's greatest tool is for you to pretend and you don't know what repentance to God is unless you truly repent to God and even repentance like you and we've talked about this just a moment ago was the repentance is a word that was changed into meaning something completely different because repentance to God is a, a full turn to God. You've turned 360 or you've been 360 degrees away from God. Now you have to turn 360 degrees back to God. And you have to understand what that looks like. In order for you to understand pretense in repentance, you have to understand what repentance is in the first place. And repentance is not the I'm sorry, I feel bad. Uh, I know you came and died for sins, so I've repented. No, that is not repentance at all. That is you, like you expressed earlier, that's you expressing godly sorrow. And even the Bible tells you that repentance is not sorrow. It's the godly sorrow that leads you to repentance that then leads you to salvation. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation worldly sorrow brings regret so repentance to god is an absolute it's not a well i can repent of this but not of this and then i can repent of this and not of this no you, you repent to god is a turn and it's a one it's a i turning in God's direction, and what that means is, is that you have set your mind, you're no longer going to lean on your own understanding, that what you're going to do is you're going to lean on God's understanding, trust in the Lord with all, lean not on your own understanding, why? Because in your own understanding, I you're not going to repent to God because you're going to think, well, this, this isn't fair and this isn't right. And if you have thoughts of that, that something God does isn't fair or isn't right, or then you haven't repented to God because the repentance to God is not that you understand everything they do, but it is that you agree 100% with 100% of the things that they do or have done. And a big sticking point for people is, well, you know, I have faith in God, but I don't understand why God would do all this stuff in the Old Testament with the children and all that. And, okay, you don't understand it, but is that driving your faith, the fact that you don't understand it? Or, you know what, I don't understand all of that, but God is fair and just, and they are who they are, and there's a reason behind why they did what they did what was happening in the Old Testament. And I believe that what they're doing is right. I, I, I'm I, with them. And that means you, you're with them on everything. Old Testament, New Testament, God comes to you in the night and tells you something, you're with them. You're with them 100%. Because many people will uh, whine about the children and, and like, it's not fair that, you know how can it be fair that some innocent child can uh be put to death like that or there are no innocent children pay attention to what your bible says pay attention to what god says the only innocence in this world was messiah and your innocence will be found in him in genesis when it's uh, talking about the flood and God's talking about the wickedness of people. He says, even even the inclination of their heart is wickedness from birth. How many times do people bring that up when they're complaining to God about a child who Uh, died, or all those uh, men, women, children that were put to death. Well, they were wicked. If God put them to death and God said they were wicked, they were wicked. And God says that even from birth, and that includes us, that from birth, we were wicked. We have the opportunity, just as the uh, Old Testament saints had the opportunity to walk in the faith of God. Now they had, they did not, the Old Testament saints had to uh, depend on the forgiveness of sin from God because Messiah had not come yet so that they could not receive circumcision of the heart until he came, he died, then he descended into into those earthly regions to go ahead and give uh, the circumcision of the heart to those that believed. But what they did was they lived their life in an absolution of, I'm going to obey God. And then when they couldn't obey God and they faltered and failed at it, then they continued with the mindset of obeying God. Well, God said, I to offer this sacrifice when I do these things so that I can be forgiven. And so I offer the sacrifice and I'm going to make sure I give the best of the flock or the you know, the unblemished animal for the sacrifice because that's what God desires. And there might have been blemishes that you didn't see on that animal, but your desire was to do exactly what God wanted. So you had the heart of obedience, even though you weren't able to carry it out. And Messiah was the one that came along and gave us the ability to then, without sin, to carry out the obedience to God because obedience to God is just as simple as, okay, I'm, um, I have faith in God, and I'm looking through the law, and the law says, well, don't wear any clothes that have that are made of two different types of material, and so I'm like, well oh, you know, God, I, I, where do I find clothes? I mean, in this day and age that we live in, where am I going to find clothes that uh, aren't made of two? strands. Do I have to make my own? What's the, and God says, no, that's not what the intention of it. Let me tell you what the spirit of it is. The spirit of it is don't mix don't mix belief and unbelief. Don't, don't yoke yourself to an unbeliever. That's the same concept as the mixing the clothes, because it was a physical representation of the spiritual, which is don't try to mix the things of God with the things of the world. They don't go together that just like trying to mix a saltwater spring and a freshwater spring, don't do it. I uh, so God gives you the spiritual perspective, and then we no longer have to pay attention to the physical perspective unless God says to, because it's about obedience. And if God tells me that it's don't worry about what you wear, just like he he told Peter, get up and eat, kill and eat that, well, never, I've never eaten anything unclean. Don't call unclean what I've, what I've made clean. So that's what the transformation does, is give you the ability to be clean without being under the law. Therefore, you're not under the law, you're under full obedience to God. So whatever God says, that's what you're going to do. And that's what it was all about anyway, because disobedience is sin. And my mind and my heart is I'm going to obey God. Well, in order to obey God, I have to know what they want. That means I need to be in constant communication with them. And that's one of the reasons Paul said, pray unceasing, so that we can have that constant communication with the one who's going to make sure that we understand what the spirit of the law was, just like Messiah laid out in the the washing of hands of the Lord of the Sabbath, that you, you understand the letter of the law, but you don't understand the spirit of the law. You think I'm disobeying God because I'm not doing what Moses said that God told him to do, but God told me something different, meaning that that was a representation for me being the Lord of the Sabbath. It's not the cleanliness of your hands. It's not what goes into your mouth that makes you clean. It's what comes out of your heart that makes you clean. And so that was just a uh, clarification on that perspective, but we do live in a world uh, that is full of pretending. And if you think that's not true, and if you think that you are not pretending, then I'll make this suggestion. And it was a suggestion that Anna Ruth had made in the gathering. Then you set your mind in absolution, that when you speak, you're going to speak the truth. Now, you speak it tactfully and with respect, but I'm going to speak the truth. And then find out how many times you catch yourself and I'm not going to say anything because that's not true, but I don't want to say what the truth is because, well, it might hurt you or you might not like it or you'll find that you live a life. You've been programmed in pretense and you'll do it at work. You'll do it at work when you're on the phone with somebody, with another employee, with somebody else. You'll just, in order to appease them, you won't speak the truth. And you do that a whole lot more than you do actually telling the truth. So you live in a world that you've been programmed to pretend, but God sees through all the pretending. Every single part of it, God sees through the pretending. Had
1: the scripture we just mentioned go through my mind and and hearing it, discerning it. It doesn't say this. It doesn't say godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to being saved. It says godly sorrow produces, brings repentance that leads to salvation. And Messiah's persona, Yeshua, means salvation. So we have another picture of that. You've got to go through the Old Testament before you can go into the New Covenant because godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to Messiah, which salvation is the life of Yeshua. So in order for you to live as he did, You must go through the Old Testament first. You must find repentance with Abba in order to be transferred over to the obedient side. And it made me think of this in Hebrews where it said that the law is just a shadow. It's not the reality itself. The spirit of it, and you had said this, is obedience to God. So the heart of Messiah, the spirit of Messiah, was full obedience to God. So it wouldn't matter what written law is there from God. The heart is I'm going to obey whatever the written code is. It doesn't matter if God says, Go sit on this rock for two days. Well, why is that? I don't understand. Do I have to do it? it doesn't matter. Yah said to sit on this rock for two days. That's what I'm going to do. That's what Yah is looking for. Because you had mentioned this in Genesis about the inclination of people. Remember Yah saying this that oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commands always. Why? Because that's what I'm looking for if I say, Peter, kill and eat. He was still, his programming, well, no, Lord, that I'm not able to eat this animal and that animal. Peter, kill and eat. And we know from the truth of it that he was saying that don't restrain fellowship from the Gentiles, that you have fellowship with them. But the physical aspect, because under the law, God didn't say, Peter, what's wrong with you? It's just Peter. I understand that that you're you've been brought up with the training that I said in in the in the law of Moses it says this, but I'm telling you that I'm greater than this written code, and I'm telling you to do this, so this trumps obedience to me trumps any of your understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding, Peter, that do this. and it's the same thing with this is that the reality of repentance is not I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I'm not going to do it again. The reality is to where I know that you're doing it is you've turned to me with everything. And I can see that because no matter what I ask you to do, you're willing to do it. And it, it, I just had this just click in my mind, absolute proof that the repentance has to come first before any obedience to God, because the ultimate, because Yah, and we've said this before with Anna Ruth, that she's black and white. Well, Yah is black and white. How am I gonna know if you're gonna be obedient to me if you're not willing to turn to me no matter what I ask you to do and you're willing to do it and agree with it? Well, if you're not willing to do that, then you're not gonna obey me. Because, well, yeah, I'll do it, God, but this thing about hell was just really too harsh and then you're not walking in repentance with me. Because if you were walking in full agreement with me, you would know that I'm God and I know better than you do. So why are you arguing with me and complaining against hell or whatever issue it would be? You would be okay with it, and you would say, here I am. I've come to do your will, O God. Okay, well, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll do it. Um, Here I am. I'm with you, heart and soul. It's the same thing. It's The repentance is the preparation for your obedience to God, because how can you obey somebody which ultimately you can't? You can't obey someone that you haven't turned to with everything because before you turn to God, you're going to obey the enemy. Whatever the enemy wants, that's what you're going to do because that's your master. Until you turn, and you had mentioned that a full circle, and that's the black and white, you turn full circle to God, you're walking in their direction. It's not about, well, I feel this, I feel that. No, it's, it's a mindset change. Circumcise your hearts. Make a decision who are you going to walk in, in what direction are you going to walk in. you going to walk in my direction. You're going to walk in the enemy's direction. Make a decision. I want to know where you stand. You know, who are you playing for? What side are you on? You're either with me or you're against me. And so you're going to, your repentance is going to be tested. Are you going to be willing to do whatever we ask you to do? No matter what it is, leave your family, go here, go there. Okay. So you're willing to do that. If you're willing to do that with everything in your mind, okay, well now I'll show you my son so you can get it into your heart. That's the thing is that it's got to be in the order of the Old Testament and then transferring to the new because the renewed covenant is all about the heart, getting it in the heart, the spirit of it. But if you don't have it set in your mind and fully committed to it, then it's not going to get into your heart. That's the thing. It's like our part, is getting it in our mind, setting our mind in it, even though the heart isn't going to follow yet. So that, okay, I see you're tested in it now. I'll bring you to my son so you can be crucified with him, get circumcision of the heart. Now you can be fully pleasing to me because now obedience, where it truly lies is in the heart and you have no sin in your heart. Now, now you can be fully pleasing to me because the word says to make sure that you're being fully pleasing to God well, it is pleasing to God that you're, you've you set your mind, that you're going to walk in their ways. But the full pleasing is when it comes around to where you have the fullness of faith. And even with the fullness of faith, you still walk in repentance because there's going to be things that we don't see still that Yah will bring up, will come up. And you'll say, I agree with that. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change this. Okay. So you're continuing that repentance and you're proving it by your deeds. It's just like with, we could look at Abraham. We know he repented to God because his actions prove it. Put your son on the altar, right? Whatever you say, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. You want me to go here, I'll go there. And Abraham being called the friend of God because walking in repentance and obedience and trust and him getting the sign of circumcision, which he couldn't have circumcision of the heart my mother yet, but he had he circumcised his heart. But the circumcision that he had, he got the sign because of obedience to God first, then he got the sign. So the sign of circumcision is obedience to God, that that's the sign. What is the sign? Yes, physically you remove the foreskin of the male, but was it ever about the foreskin of the body? No, it was about obedience to God. That was the sign of your obedience to me is, well, you, because think about this. What if Abraham didn't circumcise the men? then there would be an obedience problem, and then therefore your heart isn't circumcised. So it even mentions to the scripture of you who have circumcision are not justified before God, but the one that doesn't have circumcision in the physical is a, that's what it was, is that if you, you who claim circumcision are a lawbreaker, but the one who doesn't have circumcision keeps the law, meaning that this person may not physically be circumcised, but they're circumcised in heart. That's what makes you a Jew. It's not just the fact that you circumcise yourself physically, because that's what people were attempting to do. They were looking to, to be justified before God by having the physical circumcision. And no, that physical circumcision was all about obedience to God anyway. So if you think that, well, I'll just do this, then that means I'm right. No, it, it's about obedience to God. That was the, the whole issue with Abraham. And it just speaks beautifully of the circumcision of the heart. by mother is the sign of circumcision, is that full agreement with God, that full obedience to God, all the way through full repentance. So all of this is just so beautifully brought together, but it's just coming back to my mind again that you cannot bypass the Old Testament. Because you cannot go right to Messiah first because that's not the way it works. It's not the order of operations. You have to go to Abba first through repentance, true repentance, not a pretend repentance. And then from there, then, and even he says in himself, nobody comes to me unless my father draws them first. And the draw of Abba is that repentance, the true repentance, not the pretend. <clears throat>
0: And on that journey, it is not a 180. A lot of times when people say, oh, it's a 180 degree turn. You, you, you turn to God. No, 180, last I checked, is half. Well, where does that put you? Well, it puts you in the lukewarm because you did a 180, because 180 still allows you to have some kind of issue with something God's done or something God's doing instead of, no, I have no problem with anything God does because they are right, fair, and just. They are God. I am not. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to trust what their word says. I'm going to lean on their understanding, not mine, because that's what, Uh, will give me the best ability to understand. And as you set your mind to that and you trust in them, regardless of the times that you don't understand, that's when they will give you the ability to go through something so that you can then understand. And understanding comes through head knowledge. Understanding doesn't, just because I explain a story to you or I explain something to you, Sean, you know this, when you break your arm, I, uh, th- this is what it feels like. And it's really uh, intense pain. And you can be like, yeah, I I know what that feels like. Oh, you had a broken, you you broke a bone? No, no, I, I dislocated my finger, but uh, I know what it feels like. No, you don't. You don't have knowledge of it. You don't, you don't understand it because you haven't been through it. You have to go through something. And this is the difference between what we call head knowledge and heart knowledge, that your head knowledge is stuff that you know within your head. Heart knowledge comes from the experiences that you have. And if you haven't experienced something, you may have information about it and you may believe that it's right, but you don't have the heart knowledge about it because you haven't experienced it. It's like people can have head knowledge about the fact that in faith, you won't sin, but until you're actually in that place where you have circumcision of the heart and you don't sin, you can't understand what that's like. You can't understand what it's about. And that's why don't try to understand something that you haven't experienced. You you, you haven't gone through it. And many people will do it like somebody has a loved one die and somebody will come to him and, oh, yeah, I know how you feel and won't even get questioned about it, but yet they haven't had anybody close to them die, and so you don't know exactly how it feels. And so we we want to be careful in that area. But going back to the the 180, it's, it's a 360 turn. It's a complete absolute turn because a 180 will allow you to live in that pretense of repentance, which is, well, I... I believe God, I believe in God, but I don't agree with this and I don't agree with that, but I believe in God, where the turn to God is an absolute 100% 360 turn where you believe and you agree with them. Absolutely. It doesn't, and you don't have to understand in order to have that heart of repentance what you have to understand in order to have that heart of repentance is that God is God and I am not, and they are perfect and they know what they're doing. I do not. So I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to lean on their understanding and their understanding is right. And so I agree with it 100%. And if you argue with God if you have a, a problem with something God has done, either present or past, then your repentance is in pretense. If you sin, your repentance is in pretense, unless you're on, on the journey to circumcision of the heart, and then you're not pretending because you're, you're while well, you repent to God. You have to do that before you get to circumcision of the heart, and God's going to God uh, prove you trustworthy in that first, in order for you to be able to turn, but too many times and many times and we were caught up in this for a while of being in the pretense part where we we were professing faith in God, but we really didn't have faith in God, we didn't have the full understanding that I uh, or we didn't have the full repentance to set aside the understanding, it's just a matter of, you know what, God is right, fair, and just, and perfect, and I believe that, and I accept that, and because I do, I don't care whatever it is that they say, I agree with that, and if I agree with it, then I'll obey it, and you you hit it perfectly on the head when you said you can't obey if you don't repent. Right, and so if you're not obeying God, you haven't repented or you've repented in pretense. And if you don't believe everything that God says is right and true, then you haven't turned to them uh, in repentance, it's only in pretense. And it's hard for people in this world because you're programmed with it. It's not an intentional aspect of pretense, but you're programmed. Why? Because you're thinking that, well, I'm going to do this because I don't want to die and I don't want to end up in hell, but so I'm going to say I believe in God and that'll give me that. But when it comes down to something that I question that God has done, I thought you repented to me. And that's why God will test the aspect of your repentance first before you will be able to move on to the obedience and the circumcision of the heart because they're not going to give the circumcision of the heart to anybody who doesn't repent. It, it, it's because it, it's not fitting for the kingdom and it's not the best thing for everybody in the kingdom. And so, w- living in a world where people pretend all the time and we have a uh, challenge that comes to us with circumcision of the heart that we need to be digging into our subconscious and making sure more and more that we're not being fake, that we are being honest with people. And somebody might say, well, I'm going to be brutally honest. No, well, you don't have to be brutal. You can be honest. And there are times where well, now's not the time to bring this truth out, so I'm just not going to answer the question or whatever it is. But if you try to tell the truth and this is something that uh, we've recently got from Anna Ruth, we said that, that you will find how much pretending that you actually do. And it's good for you to see the fact that you pretend. I know through growing up in I, the marriage that I have with my wife that there were a lot of times more times of pretending than there were of actual truth because you were worried about how it was going to look on you how you were going to appear before that person so I'm I've got to tell you something that sounds good rather than to tell you the truth because why won't like me then if I tell you the truth well I'm at a point now where if I tell you the truth and you don't like me, then I can't I can't help you with that, because for me, I would rather you be honest with me. Respectful, but honest. Rather than to tell me something that is a lie, because at least even if it's something I don't want to hear, at least I know that you're being honest. I I know where we stand that if you tell me something, it's going to be true, that that's the fact within it that is hugely important for people to recognize and understand in the midst of this because we spend our whole lives pretending. And you and I watch today as this day goes on and see if there's not a point. It comes up that, that see, you're pretending there, because we should be looking for it. If we're talking about it, then we should be looking for it in our lower conscience, in our conscious mind. No, I'm gonna be honest with people, and I'm not going to uh, deceive or try to distort, but I'm going to have things that come out of the lower conscience just in a uh, reaction that I have to catch that and say, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I, I'm i going, and then I turn around, and I will not pretend in the midst of it. And we do it more often than we think. And it's something that, in faith, why do I have to pretend? I. Uh, because for me, I, it doesn't matter to me if you like me. Now, again, it does because you're programmed for people to like you. But when your mind is, God's the one I'm trying to please, well, if I'm being honest and I'm being truthful and I'm, and I'm just being transparent and you don't like me, it's not my problem. I, I, I can't help that. And a lot of people won't like you to be honest with them. And so, and you may not want somebody to be honest with you. And this is where you have to evaluate. If you ask somebody a question, then maybe you should think about, should I ask this question? Do I really want to know the truth? Do I really want them to tell me the truth about this? Or am I fishing for a compliment? Or am I fishing for A feel good perspective rather than the truth. Because the pretending, we want other people to pretend if it's going, if what they're pretending makes me feel good. And that's the way we're programmed in this world. I don't want that. I want you to be honest with me. I would like you to be respectful when you're being honest, just as I should be respectful to you when I'm being honest with you. But the reality is that <clears throat> I want to know the truth. I want you to tell me what the truth is. Sean, if you see me do something that I that needs work, hey, I, I saw this. You you want to look into it because you're just being honest. You're being truthful. And I've got stuff in my lower conscience that's been programmed there that I don't see that I'm continually looking for. So if you bring it up, if I'm looking for it, I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine because my evaluation is all right. Well, let me listen to what this person's saying and let me do the evaluation. Is it true? Instead of jumping to the, the knee jerk reaction of getting, well, I was mean instead of that. No, you know what? Is it true? Wow. I didn't see that's true. And you know what? From now on, I'm not doing that any anymore. I'm never doing it again. Okay, well, you set that in your conscious mind, and then as it comes up, you'll continue to carry that until you cleanse that out of your lower conscience, and then you find the next thing to come along, and then you find the next thing. But we live in a life of pretense, and... In faith, we need to stop. We need to make sure that our minds and our hearts are completely set on, I'm not going to be fake. I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to be honest with what I'm thinking and what I'm, what I'm feeling. And again, you have to determine if it's the right time to say what you're thinking because you may be in a conversation and something may come to mind. Well, is this the time to bring it out? Now, if somebody asked you about it, somebody asked you a specific question, all right, well, I'm gonna answer. So answer honestly, but be careful the questions you ask and make sure you really wanna know the truth of what somebody's thinking or what they're feeling when you ask that question. That way you're braced if they come, you know, in maybe a harder or a harsh perspective or your perceived harsh perspective, you're like, no, you know what? I wanted them to be honest and this feels like it's harsh, but no, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm going to do the evaluation. Is this true? Oh, it's not. Okay. Well, I don't have anything to worry about. Is this true? Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right, now now I have something to change. And it's just a continual process of perfecting. And I want to put this out there because many people think that Messiah was perfect when he was here. They think that Messiah was perfect, that born into this life, he was fully God. So he was perfect when he was here. And no, if he was perfect when he was here, everything he did would have been in pretense. Even he would have gone against what the word of God says in not pretending. That's, that's a fact of it. He had to be human just like us. Otherwise, the Bible lies when it says he came to be like his brothers and sisters in every way well, he would have just been pretending to be like us if he was already perfect. Now, he is perfected. Now, he's entered into the kingdom. He went through the heavenly tabernacle, and then now he is immortal. He is perfected, so he can't return in the way that he came before, so that if you repent and then you turn away from it, you cannot come back to repentance because he's already perfected. He cannot come back and live that life again so you have him to follow on. He did not pretend to live his life here in the way he lived it. He lived it, and he lived it in a truthful, honest way, and he's a great example of how do I speak the truth. He didn't always, he didn't go up to the Pharisees and I. Uh, presenting to them all their, their falsehoods and what their, no, it was when they came to him. Okay. Well, we're going to tell you the truth in this and you see how they responded to the truth. Even back then they wanted pretense. We want you to just exalt us. We're the Pharisees and you just make it known that because we sit in that high position and and you acknowledge us that way. And if people didn't, then they didn't like it because at best they wanted people to pretend it instead of tell them the truth. And this is where watching Messiah and walking as he did, it tells you how to do it. Somebody comes to you, be honest with them. Not brutal, but honest. You don't have to be, people say, brutally honest. No, if you're honest, you're honest. If it's truth, it's truth. It doesn't need to be brutal. It doesn't need to be soft. It does, it just needs to be truth. And we need to recognize that. Cause sometimes, and this has happened in the past where you're gonna tell somebody the truth and you kind of cringe when you bring it out because it's like, why the cringe? Because one, you know that they don't wanna know the truth. And two, they don't want to know the truth. <laughs> so it, it's just uh, really important. Go
1: ahead. I have this thought in regards to this. Why the pretending? Why do we pretend? And the thought that came to me was, you're looking to escape reality. This is not a blanket statement to say that you don't watch movies you don't I'm not saying to do anything, but just came to mind, why do you pretend to do things? Why do you act? because a lot of it is is you want to escape what you know you should be doing, how you should be acting, because the Word of God makes it clear that although that people know God, they didn't glorify God as God but they wanted to do the things they wanted to do so god turned them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done and made me think about this is why the escape and we had mentioned this earlier or maybe a different podcast or something where you're rushing around attempting to get stuff done you're really making yourself overly busy why a lot of people will run from their problems or suppress their problems by being busy. Because if you're not busy, then you've got to stop and come to reality of what your situation is and you've got to really evaluate it. Well, you don't want to deal with it, so therefore I'll go see a movie, I'll watch TV, I'll look at my phone to get lost in a fantasy world because I just thought about this, pornography is pretend. Because with me in the past, having a struggle with pornography, it's pretend. Real intimacy is not pornography. But what it does is that you pretend until that becomes your reality. And the same thing with false teaching. You pretend until it becomes your reality. And just because it becomes your reality doesn't mean it's real. Well, hell doesn't exist. Well, you're pretending. Well, it doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. You're pretending. And reality will kick in at some point point. make reality kick in here before you perish because God doesn't pretend and hell is going to be there. And, well, no, I thought, no. And it just made me think that with pretend, it's a fun thing. Well, I'm going to pretend to be this or that, but faith in God, true faith is serious And it's not pretend that God means business; that this is life and death. Find faith in my son, because if not, the terror awaiting you is something that you just don't even want to pretend. So I'm just seeing just another aspect of this is pretending doesn't change reality. That I'm pretending to be a cowboy, or in the past, like playing cowboys and Indians, or playing the the cop, and you're pretending it doesn't change the reality of truth. So hell exists, even if you pretend it doesn't, and you can pretend and pretend and pretend, and hell is still right there. And even, well, heaven doesn't exist either. Well, heaven does exist, and even though you're pretending. So this faith that we have, the true faith in God, is not about pretending. It's about truth, matter of fact, and it's a serious thing. And we should treat it serious. Doesn't mean that we walk around all sulking around like, oh, you know, I'm serious every moment, but it's, it's reality of life and death for people. And God isn't playing games with this stuff. God doesn't take pleasure in the death of anyone, but death of people will occur if they don't repent. Yah says that in Ezekiel, that do I take pleasure in the death of anyone? Certainly we do not. But what I'm telling you is I'm serious and this isn't fake. Repent and live because if you don't repent to me, then you'll die, and and it's it's serious. It's a serious matter, and this doesn't pretend. We're not playing games with find faith in our son, or well, is God really going to do that? Yes, they will. You you will end up in the abyss if you don't have faith in the son, if you don't have circumcision of the heart when you die. Then you'll be in the place of torment, and you'll await being thrown into the abyss into the lake of fire, and that's not pretend. And a lot of this is it, it's because of the programming of feeling good, the Santa Claus. It's pretend. No, it's real. No, you're making it real, but you well, you're not making it. You're making it real to you, but it doesn't mean it's real. And that's the thing is, is that make sure that you find the fullness of faith, the true faith, because what you have made real to you will end up being before Messiah. Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name and get away from you? You were playing pretend. It wasn't about that. It was about getting away from sin. Get away from me and you realize that, wow, this wasn't a game. This was real. And so I just that that came to mind in regards to pretending, is that this faith in, in Yah is not about pretending. It's not about dancing around and putting on a mask and all these other things. And you, in the end, ultimately, if you don't find it, you'll be exposed because, like it says, the books are open and everybody's heart is laid bare before God, and there's no more pretend anymore. So... Deal with the fact that you've been pretending and set your mind to stop pretending because in the end, all the pretend will be laid bare of reality and everybody will be before God, and that's why every knee will bow and every tongue will confess because there's no more pretending anymore. So find, get away from pretending and be real. As the world says, be real, and that's what faith in God is, is being real.
0: When you hear it right on the head saying that pretense, is to feel good. People pretend so that they can feel good. And that's a reality. They pretend because they wanna feel good. So here here comes the problem within the midst of this. In order for you to transform from that, you've gotta change your mind what feels good. And this goes back to a little bit of what we talked about in the blessings and curses perspective, that one, you have to you have to want the feel good to come from the truth and not from the pretense because you've been programmed in this life that you want somebody to tell you what you want to hear and when they don't tell you what you want to hear it upsets you and then because it upsets you then you attack the other person or you ignore the other person or you you uh, hold a grudge against the other person because they didn't tell you what you wanted because it was all about feelings you have to learn to transfer your feelings to the reality that no I want to know what the truth is and in the midst of that I don't care how it affects me as long as it's the truth then I want to be, I'm going to be okay with it. And that's what I like. That's what I want. If you don't change that within yourself, you're not going to be able to allow other people to be brutally honest with you. And again, not brutal, but just being perfectly honest, just straight honesty and being okay with it to say, you know what? well that's the truth that's what you that's i ask you you told me that and so or they they might say well what do you think about this okay well i'll tell you what i think okay well i'll take that into consideration in order to make a good right fair and just decision but you have to have a mind transformation to want to know the truth regardless of how it affects you before you can get to the place where the truth actually feels good, even when it doesn't feel good. And that's when you can get to the point where you can rejoice for somebody somebody telling you something that you need to hear so that you can advance and move on. And you're okay with that because that's what you strive for is the reality of truth. Many people say... I want you to be honest with me. I want you to be honest with me. But then when you're actually honest with them, then they get upset. They get, you know, they storm off or they they pout or they cry or what and it's like you get mad at me because I told you the truth, but you asked me the question. And so I would say this is a two-sided thing. And I would say this for anybody who has conversation with me. Don't ask me the question if you're fishing for feel good. If you want to know the truth, I will tell you the truth No question about it. But if you're fishing for the feel good when you ask me a question, then you're going to get something that you don't like unless you like the truth because you are going after this aspect of feel good and we want our feel good to come from God and knowing that we're in line with God and in order to do that we have to accept the reality of truth and we have to stop uh, pretending and stop you know get into the programming that you have in your lower conscience to stop pretending when your wife asks you a question and you answer the way that you think she wants you to answer instead of answering what you feel, or you know what the truth is. And, or, or a son or a daughter or a friend, they ask you a question and you know what you want to say, but you say something else because you you know that they don't, they're not going to like it. Well, why do you do that? Because you want somebody to do the same thing. For you. you You want somebody to, I make you feel good. And so we all want to feel good. The objective goal that we need to have is to make sure that what is it that makes us feel good? Is that what is appropriate? And if it's not, then we have to change the things that make us feel good. And it's just, it's really important that we recognize and understand so that we can get away from the pretense of it and so going back to what i was talking about with messiah when he came uh, to be like us that he wasn't pretending when he was here he was not perfect and and the reason was that he was not perfect while there was many reasons but one of the uh, main reasons was that because i came to be like you so that you know that you're just like me, so that when I leave here, I will leave you an example to follow that you are capable of following. See, people don't think that they can live like Messiah did because he was perfect. Well, I'm not perfect, so I can't do it. I can't live like he did. No, you missed the whole point. That's why he came. He came to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps. And because he came to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps, that means that yes, you are capable of living the life that he lived. He showed you how to do it. Crucify yourself. Put yourself to death. Crucify self with Messiah, and then you will live in the reality of truth of God. But in the process of that, you have to recognize all the worldly programming that you've had throughout your whole life and all the areas where the cognitive dissonance will set in. And again, just a uh, cognitive dissonance is just a, it's an aspect of you have that that chaos within the cognition of your mind that even if I show you the the truth, you won't accept it. Why? Because you've been so programmed for pretend that you can't help yourself but to be cognitively dissonant because that's what you've been programmed for. And that's the enemy's greatest tool is to get people to accept things as truth that aren't true. And once you accept it as truth, it's very difficult for you to change it unless you seek the reality of truth and don't care how it affects you then you will start to entertain other things but as long as you want life to feel good and you want everything everybody does for you and everything everybody says for you to feel good well don't come to me and ask me a question and i'm not going to do it with intention of harm in the past i would have i i, I would have been mean and but my objective goal is if you come to me and you want to know the truth, because there are are times when somebody might ask me something and I'll be like, do you really want to know the answer to that? And the reason I do that is to give them the opportunity to say, "Uh, well, let me evaluate that first instead of them to jump off the, the handle and say, tell me what you think. And then you tell them and then, They leave crying or or mad or whatever it is, and it's like, you asked me for the truth. The best thing I can do for you is tell you the truth. Now, I should make sure that I know that it's truth that I'm speaking and not opinion. If it's opinion I'm speaking, then I probably shouldn't speak it. You know what? I'm not going to comment on that because what I have is an opinion, and I, I don't know that it's absolute truth. Now, the other person might say, well, tell me what you're thinking anyway. Okay, well, take this as opinion, but this is what I think. But the, the aspect of truth, don't come to me with a preconceived notion of what you want to hear me say, because you're going to be disappointed unless your preconceived notion is going to tell me the truth. And that's the way we should operate in this world. Somebody asks you a question, okay, they open the door. You don't have to go blurting stuff out to them of whatever it is just because you recognize it's true. Somebody comes to you and asks you a question, okay, now they give you the authority to speak uh, the truth of that. Now, if God tells you to speak something, then I'm going to obey God if it hurts you, that's not my intention, but I'm not going to not speak what God wants when God asks me to, because that's about obedience to God and I'm going to be obedient to God, not obedient to you uh, because this is where the concept of love comes in. Because what's best for you is for me to love you. And if I love you, then I'm going to tell you the truth even though I know that it's going to hurt at times, but because I know it's going to hurt, I'm going to deliver that truth with a a quiet and gentle spirit. I'm going to give it more instead of, because sometimes we deliver truth in a mean perspective, and that's not acceptable as well. Uh, Yes, it's true, but, you're going to have to answer for how you presented it. And just because it's true doesn't give you the authority to be great, degrade somebody else and berate them because you know the truth. Uh, you see that in what the Pharisees were trying to do to Messiah. And he straightened them up right quick. So just say I, uh, some other important stuff with the. Uh, aspect of pretense because if messiah came here and he was already perfected because he already lived in the kingdom with abba and emma and then he just came here to be a baby and then go through this life then everything he does everything we see in the bible is pretend and if he's pretending i can't relate to him and if i can't relate to him I, he's not, he didn't come to be like me in every way, like the Bible says. So that makes the word out to be a liar and God's not a liar. So yes, Messiah was God in the beginning, but with God in the loins, just like your daughter was with you and your wife when you got married, but she wasn't born yet. She, everything to make for her makeup was within you and your wife. But until you guys came together and she was conceived, then she didn't come into existence. And it's the same thing with Messiah that he was with Abenima in the beginning, but not in the physical person form. He was within their loins. And then when they gave birth to him, then he had the existence, but he had to come in human form first, because if he came in his immortal form, then he couldn't have died anyway. And that would have been a a pretense as well. And so we've got to look at the aspect of Messiah and his life and know that he came to be like us. So that no matter what struggle we have, whatever it is we go through, whatever's on our mind, he stands it. He was, he had the same body of flesh that you have. And because of that, him coming to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps, Stop pretending things and follow in his footsteps. Stop pretending you have faith in God and then professing that you still sin. You tell other people don't sin. And then but you sin. So you're living in a a pretending state of what you think repentance is because you're not giving it all up because it's it's easy to say, yeah, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, instead of Oh, you know what I'm changing my life completely, and I'm going to live the law of God to the to uh the best of my ability in obedience that's what that's what I'm going to do because we were never called to be perfect in this life <clears throat> and this is from the uh, prophets and knowing all the way up the line, we were never called to be perfect. We were called to obey. And so you're not called to be perfect. You're called to do the best that you can. And as long as you're doing the best that you can, then you're okay in the eyes of God. But that the best that you can has to improve as time goes on and as that as you have that improvement, you're in what we call the state of perfecting where you're not perfected yet, but we're in the process of perfecting. So our lives improve and get better. And we are living more and more, uh, the godly life within our lower conscience, because it's completely set in in our conscious mind. And because we have that ability with the circumcision of the heart, the door opened to clean the lower conscience, then we have to continually clean it and know what we put in there so that we have everything that we need for faith, truth, and life everlasting.
1: Yah doesn't pretend. And I just thought about this, that, The only thing you pretend is something that you cannot be. I can't be you, so I can only pretend to be you. But if I could be you, then it's not pretend, like with Messiah, that you can live without sin. It's not pretend that you can live a life on this earth without sin. It's reality. It's true. You can. And Messiah didn't come and then we pretend along with him. No. And when you had mentioned this, I had a scripture just come right into the front of my mind on a beautiful picture of a person thinking that he was going to get a different answer and Messiah wasn't pretending and he was, is what's called as the rich young man. In his mind, he thought that, oh, he's just going to tell me it's about keeping the letter of the law because I've done that. So I'm good. And he wasn't, he was expecting something else because it says he went away. Sorry. Good master, what must I do to get eternal life? Because all he's going to tell me is I just keep the commands. I've done that already. Well, obey the commands. Well, I've done that. I'm good. So I'm, I'm in, right? Yeah, but do this. One thing you like, go and sell everything and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Well, I thought that, oh, so you were pretending instead of, wow, it takes. So you're saying the reality of this is I have to give up my very life. Yes. And I must follow you. Yes. And he didn't go after and We don't have a record Said, No, no, you need to come back. You need to, you asked me a question. And I was, he wasn't brutally honest. He was just honest. And with Messiah, your father's the devil wasn't brutally honest. Is your father Abba? No. And if you say he is, and I'm going to rebuke you and say, no, he isn't because if you did, you'd be doing what he did. But because of what you do, your father's the devil. I don't need to say it five times. Just say it one time. So you're saying that. uh, What what I find interesting is people say, so what you're telling me is I just told you. Why do I need to say it again? Well, the reason we say it again is because I'm trying to convince you instead of the truth doesn't need convincing. The truth stands on its own. So if I tell somebody your father's the devil, if I keep telling him over and over, am I convinced of the truth? then I'm convinced of it. I don't need to tell you again. And just made me think of just like a life of pretend is you're just like an actor. You got to keep on acting. And the more acting you do, you've got to cover it up because was Robin Williams pretending? And I'm just, he just came to mind, but I can point the finger at me as well is the wit like that is a life of pretend. Because if that was his true life, then why would you commit suicide if you were that happy and you were that, and this is only used as an example and pointing the finger at me when I say this, because I pretended in the past as well and still pretending in things I'm not seeing because there's things we're not seeing, but just that example, because people, how could he do that? He was always so happy and he was pretending. Why? Because it was easier to pretend and hide than to be honest and say, Hey, everybody, I know that you're enjoying getting laughs from me, but I'm telling you I'm depressed and I'm pushing myself down and I don't know how to deal with it and I need help. Well, I don't want to hear from you. I want something funny. Get away from me. I don't want to deal with, and people would say, well, I would never do that to Robin Williams. That's, well, why don't you just tell us, Robin? We would listen. No, you wouldn't. You would say, I don't want to hear that, that nonsense. I want to, I want to see funny. You get, you deal with your own problems. I don't care about that. And that's if we were honest, we would say, I don't care if you're depressed. Give me what I want. And that's a sad state. But and a lot of comedians are like that because it's so much easier to pretend behind the funniness. And I haven't found from comedians I saw recently on actors. Um, how do you take them seriously? Because they're always that funny. It's not real that nobody is that happy all the time. So where's the trickery? Where's the fakery? So just had that scripture come to mind that he was expecting a different result. And do we think that Abraham was pretending to kill his son? Well, he wasn't really going to kill him. I mean, he was just going to bring the knife up and stop and God was going to stop me. And no, the reality was, is he had reasoned ahead of time that God could raise him from the dead. And I'm confident there's a reason why God is doing this. And I'm going to kill my son. He didn't say murder your son. He said, kill your son, which there's no mess, but do this. And because I remember we talked about this before that it's man putting this, well, he probably raised the knife and he was just about to stop. And all right, God, do you want me to do it? No, I see. He put him on the altar. He was drawing the knife. He was getting ready to, to kill him. And Yah stopped him. And he wasn't like, watch this. God will stop me. You see? All right, God, are you going to stop me? It was like, no, this is what God wants. This is what I'm what I'm doing. And if not, then God was pretending because well, I didn't really want him to kill his son. I was just pretending. So this is a good lesson on. Yah Yah is not playing
0: games. Well, and it's interesting because the aspect of Messiah with the rich young ruler is see what Messiah did, okay? Messiah knows that disobedience is sin and obedience is righteousness. And with the rich young ruler, all he did was put him to the test of obedience. You come to me... Because I'm the son of God, you're professing that. And you're asking me what to do for salvation. So you say you've done all these other things. You've obeyed the commands. Okay. Well, I'm going to test your obedience. Go sell everything you own and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Then he went away with his head downcast. Why? Because. His heart was not to obey, and therefore, he couldn't have obeyed the law of God I, uh, like professed he did. Because if he did, he would have obeyed Messiah and said, as soon as I'm done selling that stuff, I'll be back. And so there's just a, a thought that came to mind. Um, and again, with every topic that we have.
1: Like the Energizer Bunny.
0: Yeah, with every topic we have, we could go on and on and on. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that we're, we're going to conclude this for today. Uh, and at some other point, if y'all we will visit it again, but the uh, important thing for people who are seeking God with all of your heart is get your, get yourself, your life and your mind out of the idea and the area of your programming of pretense. Then with circumcision of the heart, you will be able to continually get rid of that pretending out of your subconscious as well. And Sean, do you have any other words or anything else before we sign off for this morning?
1: I may pull this up myself. Look up a song. If I remember had right, the platter is called The Great Pretender. It's from the 50s, and just take a listen to that. But other than that, no, um, y'all covered everything.
0: All right. Well, it was a good podcast. And until next time, I, uh, Sean, and I will be back on Tuesday evening, seven 30, God willing. And we hope that you have a blessed week in between. Thank you for joining us today on hidden treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought the greatest treasure in life and especially in faith is discovery if we try to convince you of things you may gain head knowledge but if we let you discover things you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have treasure hunters seek treasure non Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.